Read each one in Christ's name this morning. Brother Joshua, I just love it when it all fits together. (laughs) And this morning, I had thought some time ago already, I felt like God was showing me what my next message would be. And and that was before I even was studying for Wednesday evening topic. And I loved how that fit together with, with where we're at this morning. And and then Josh's devotional and just what, what John has been writing to us through the book of John. What, what has he been trying to tell us? And I asked Thomas the other, the other Sunday, I said, it seems like I'm missing something because he just stays there on that love of loving each other. And, and we, we've spent four chapters on it. What, what is John really wanting us to see that, that they weren't seeing and that he might have thought that we weren't going to see? Well, let's turn to Galatians chapter, five, or chapter 6. Let's stand for a word of prayer, please. Our Lord, this morning as we come before you, I feel humbled and I feel inadequate to really describe or to share what you have for us here this morning. And yet, Lord, I know your spirit is here, your power is here, and we thank you for that. And so, Satan, through the name of Jesus and his shed blood, we command you and all your evil forces, powers, and spirits bound. And we commit that binding to you, God, but don't allow him to hinder us here this morning. Most of all, that your spirit could speak freely to my heart and to help me and to show me what you have for me. And as we share together this morning, Lord, that your name, your name alone, would be praised and honored and glorified. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to say in the onset that I can honestly say this, that that it's not that I have a hidden agenda with what I shared Wednesday evening on on the gifts and what I want to share this morning about loving our brother that has fallen. But I I see it more as what God has been trying to show me in how I react or how I respond or what conclusions I draw from, from others. And so I want that to be clear this morning. Let's read the first ten verses in Galatians chapter 6. He says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And we have, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Coming back to the first couple verses there, I want, it might appear like at first you're thinking that we're changing several subjects as we go down through here, but I don't think that John, I don't think that Paul is. I think he's continuing the thought and ending up in verse 10, and that's what I love about that. But he says in verse 1, brethren, now obviously he's talking to believers. So he's saying, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, 
Now, that isn't that exactly what we were discussing this morning? That's what I'm saying. This all fits together. If a man is overtaken to fall, he's not talking about someone who has blasphemed the Holy Ghost as such, but he's talking about a man. That word, that word there would mean, the word fault there means a slip or error or transgression, or is, he says overtaken, which means to take advantage of or a surprise. And probably all of us have seen, have seen ourselves, if, I can, if that's the proper way to say it, what did I just do? Where did I just go? What did I just say? And all of a sudden we catch ourselves, and how did I get here? What brought me to this point? And I think that's what he's saying. But he's saying, if a man be overtaken in a fault, and let's, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Then I've wondered already, if I really had that mindset, if I really had that attitude, if I really had that as my, my motto in life, how would I approach someone? What would I do differently when someone falls? And I wonder then, why then do we respond the two opposite ways? And let me explain the two opposite ways. The one way is this way, and the other way is we write them off. Like, I don't want to see you, I don't want to hear you, I don't want to talk to you, get out of my life. Now, I think there's a reason for that. And I think the first reason is, if I really care about a person, I'm going to, I don't care what someone says about me, I'm going to go and spend time with him. I'm going to share with him. I'm going to show him that I care about his spiritual welfare and where it's going to take him. The flip side of that is, if I have written him off and don't want anything to do with him, there's a reason that I do that. And that reason, I believe, is my pride. I don't want to be associated with him. I don't want him even to know that I'm a part of him. And I have, I've seen that happen. Well, now, to, to get the setting of that, let's go on. In, in NIV, it says, Brothers, if someone be caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Now he goes on then in verse 2, and he says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And NIV says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now what is the law of Christ? We've been studying it the last several Sundays. The law of Christ is that ye love one another. Now how does this all fit together? Now let's, let's back up, and let's, let's get the setting here. Go back into chapter 5. So we see here that, that something was happening. Paul says in verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, he's not saying throw it all away. It's just between you and the Lord. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying don't allow this to... And he, well, he goes on to mention who brought you back into this subjection? Who brought you back into this condemnation? He says in verse 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh... By love. He keeps coming back to that, and he's trying to help these people to see. Remember, he's leading up to chapter 6. So something happened, or he wanted them to see something there in chapter 6. And then in verse 7 of chapter 5, he says, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. This isn't of God. Now, I don't think Paul is saying that there shouldn't be any... uh, responsibility, any rules or regulations or whatever we want to put into that. I don't think he's saying it's just, you know, that it, 
that we can be careful here and not carry the, get carried away with this. But remember what Jesus told the lady that committed adultery. Remember, he, they all came around, they were, caught, they were accusing her, and they said, you know, we caught her, and now, Lord, what, what are we going to do with her, you know, after all? Well, he said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. It says that they started to walk away from the oldest to the youngest. Or maybe it's the reverse, I'm not sure. I didn't, might have that wrong there. But what, he, what is he saying there? What did, he, what, did he condone her? Was he saying, now continue on? No. He said, don't go and do that anymore. But see, he restored her. I think he gave her hope. I think he gave her a different look in life, like maybe I can be what I should be. Maybe I can do what I should do. Maybe I'm not what people make me out to be. Coming back into Galatians chapter 5 there, let's drop on down into verses 13 and 14. He says, But for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. That's what I was just trying to point out there. But by love serve one another. Now Jesus Jesus gave us that example when he washed the disciples' feet, what what it means to to love one another. He, He became their servant. It says, you know, he took the towel, and he went and he washed their feet. A lowly job, a job that usually was for servants. But what was Jesus trying to show them? He was trying to show them that I love you, regardless of who you are, where you are, and how you're responding to me. And he continues there. Then he says in verse 14, he says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, as we're thinking of verse 1 of chapter 6, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, let's jump back to chapter 5 again. I want us to stay in focus of where we want to go this morning, but in chapter 5, and then he says in verse 15, what does he say in verse 15? But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. In other words, this is what's going to happen. If we bite and devour one another, we're going to consume each other. And when you consume something, it's what? It's, it becomes empty. It's gone. It's no longer there. Now, in our, in our family settings, it seems like brothers and sisters and cousins or and aunts and uncles, we can be very, very tolerant. We probably all have fairly close siblings that we wouldn't agree upon, agree with in, in a lot of ways. And yet we can agree. Yet we can be together in a family setting and not feel like we're doing God an injustice. But why can't we do that here? And that's what brought me to the topic Wednesday evening. Is that why I can't, don't allow myself to do that? Because I feel that as I see it, that's how it is the right way. And while you see it is the wrong way because of the gift that God has given you and the gift that he has given me, we're not going to see eye to eye as far as what we should do there and what we should do there. But as we blend that, then we have the perfect answer to that salute, to that problem. And I, I think that that's what brings us to this point where we bite and devour one another. We just knock each other out because you're not seeing it my way, and I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to give up and allow you to have an, a, a, any in, input in this situation. Now notice verse 16. He says, this I say then. Okay, in other words, after this has happened, or after we've looked at this, he says, walk in the Spirit, 
and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I like the example that Brother Lester Gingrich used, and he used it down in Belize when we were there back in the 90s. And he had two brethren come up front. He said, now I want you to walk from the left to the right in this, cha- in this, chap- or in this auditorium, and I want you to walk in step. Left, right, left, right, left. And you be very careful that you don't get out of sync with each other. And so they did. They walked across there. Now he said, what were you thinking while you were walking across there? Well, we were thinking of right, left, right, left. You mean you weren't thinking about each other? No, we were thinking about our step. He says, that's what walking in the Spirit is. I'm not concerned about who's doing what and why they're not doing it. But my concern is that I'm in step with God and with my fellow brethren. Because he goes on then in verse 17, he says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. Now let's just stop there and let put that on the back burner and go back to Romans chapter 13. Now, I might just say in the onset, and that's probably what brought about the prayer in the beginning, I've struggled more with this message than I have for a long time, even though I knew that what I wanted to preach. And it seemed like last night when I went to bed, it was, it was clear to me, but this morning it just didn't seem to want to fit. And I was trying to discern what, what all of that, what all brought that out. And I, and I know, and it just hit me here in Sunday school, maybe this is just a little rabbit trail, but it hit me here in Sunday school. I, I remember I prayed this morning that, that God would help me to see who I really am and to see who my sin nature, what my sin nature, my sin really does to me and where that will lead me. And all of a sudden it hit me here in the Sunday school class that Satan was trying to interfere there. But I do believe God helped me to see who I really am without him or who I really am, what I really am capable of being. And that's where we'll end up coming back through our lesson. In Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14, notice what he says there. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, for this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing that the time that thou, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, and not in rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Now he goes on into chapter 14 and 15, and I want us to look at this simply for the standpoint of, I think it'll help us to understand the last part of verse 1 in our text. He's talking about the weak brother and the strong brother. And Paul starts in here, he gives the example of that, and he says, he says in verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Him that is weak in the faith receive. Now, you've already probably categorized some people in your mind just by looking at this, but let's just continue. He says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. And we might say to a person like that, Wake up. God gave us all these animals. We're to eat them. I mean, you know, that's why you're sick. That you need to 
Okay, let's continue. What did I just do? Who, who did I just display myself as? Verse 4, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Now he goes on to explain that, Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord doeth not regard it. What's he saying here? What's he doing? What's he bringing about? Jump over to verse 8. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and living. But why doest thou judge thy brother? Or why doest thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more. But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now, I don't want to take out of context here, and I don't want to take out of context what he's getting at in verse 1 of chapter 6 of our, of our text. But let's just let our, let our, let's allow our minds to wander a little bit. Can it be at times that when someone falls, it's because that I have tripped him? Is it maybe at times that he is where he's at because things aren't making sense? He knows, and I'm just going to use myself this morning as an example because I don't want to make it sound like that I do have something in mind. He may see that Gary isn't really who Gary says he is. A number of years ago, and I shared some of that once here in a message, one of our children had to tell Gary who Gary really is in a letter. And it hurt. It hurt deeply. But I had to acknowledge it as truth. Then I had a choice. I could deny it or I could accept it. Now, notice what he, he's saying here. Let us not put a stumbling block in our brother's way. I know, he says in verse 14, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And so let me just make an example here. If, if, if a brother here in church has a problem with me eating at a certain restaurant, let's, let's pick a restaurant that, that, that serves alcoholic beverages. And then that's just a weakness to him. He just doesn't feel that that's where a Christian should eat. And so as long as I'm with that brother, I don't eat there. But what if I'm on a road trip and I'm in Texas? What am I going to do there? You know, I'm thousands of miles or more away from home. He's never going to find out. He's never going to see where I eat. As long as I'm comfortable with it. Is that what Paul is saying? I don't think so. But then is that what causes, is that what brings about verse 1 of chapter 6? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Let's continue our thought here. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. Verse 21. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. And you're probably getting the, the, you're getting, catching on that I'm coming into verse 1 of chapter 6 of Galatians from the other side of the fence. 
In other words, am I doing something that's causing, that has caused this brother to, to fall? Is there something that I have pushed him to that point? Now, I'm not trying to take verse 1 out of, out of context, where he, what he talks about there. But I want us to, have to see both sides. Now, let's jump over to verse chapter, six, chapter 15 of Romans in verse 1. Ye then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please yourselves. So who are you this morning? Are you the strong brother or sister, or are you the weak brother or sister? I think it makes a difference. And I think it makes a difference why we chose the answer that you did. And we'll get to that in our lesson, in our, in our text. Notice he says in verse 2, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written to our learning, for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now let's go back into Galatians chapter 6. Verse 1 again. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Let's just do a little word search, a little word study here. And he's saying there, brethren, or believers, which means literally or fig- figuratively. In other words, the literally would be my blood brothers or sisters, and figuratively would be my, my, my spiritual brothers and sisters. He said, he that is overtaken, or he that has been taken by sur- in surprise, or taken in advance. He says, overtaken in a fault. And the fault means a slip or an error or a transgression. And we talked about that in Sunday school this morning, that we're not sinless. That's not what John was trying to indicate there. But we are people that have a sin nature, and I still can sin. We still can sin, and I still do sin. But there is an advocate. There is a way out of that. It's not that I have rebuked Satan or rebuked God, and I have turned my back on him, and have. And I like the way Brother Steve explained it in the Sunday school, and in, in about you know that of of. of uh, the unpardonable sin. It's when I give Satan credit for what God or what the Holy Spirit has done. Not, I'm not talking about that type of a sin, but I'm talking about that error that has Satan has lured me and has worked and worked. You know how conniving he can be till all of a sudden, bam, how did I get here? He says, ye which are spiritual or regenerate or spiritual or religious, ye which are spiritual, how would you explain that to someone? Do you feel that you are spiritual? I think we do. Because we're serving the living God. And as far as we know, we have peace with God. That makes us spiritual because we are not only heirs, but we are joint heirs with Him. Now he goes on to say, restore. And when you have a restoration project going, what do you do? What's the purpose of restoring a piece of furniture? Thomas, why do you restore a piece of furniture? <laughs> Nicer than the condition it was in, right? bringing it back to its original, and oftentimes it's even better than original. People that restore cars, that car is in a better condition, has better paint, and has better mechanics than probably when it came off the assembly line because they want it to be perfect. Now notice that. Let's read it that way. And ye which are, ye which are spiritual, make perfect such a one. 
So now it brings a complete different goal why I want to, how I view that brother that has fallen. Because I think we all have to be honest to say, but for the grace of God, that's me. I've been awful close to where that person is at. Might have even been there. But by the grace of God, someone helped me back. God has saved me. And he goes on to say, considering thyself, or he says, in the spirit of meekness. Now, you know, we look at the life of Moses and we say, Moses, the Bible calls Moses the meekest man. Well, meekest, meek means humility. So that would mean that Moses was the humblest man. And so in the spirit of meekness or in the spirit of humility, and when in the spirit of humility is what? It's when I come to you recognizing that I'm worse than you are, but I still want to help you. I'm worse than you are but I still want to help you because I don't want you to continue down that path. Then he says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Considering is to take heed or to look at. And to tempt it means to be tried or enticed. And maybe that's why that brother or sister is where he is or she is because they've been tempted. They've been enticed. I've been tempted. I've been enticed. Things that look pretty good until after the fact. Notice what he says in chapter 5, the last couple of verses there. Verses 24, 5, and 6. He says, and they that are Christ's, and this is what people that are Christ's will do. This is an explanation of what they do. They have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And when I crucify, that means it's put to death. And we were discussing that in our Sunday school lesson this morning. doesn't mean that I'll never sin again. But I've changed kingdoms. I've changed natures. I still can. It's still there. But there is a power within me that helps me to overcome that because Satan has been defeated by the blood of Christ. And so I have a power within me that helps me to say no. It helps me to say no. He goes on to say, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory. And I think the rest of that verse explains what that is, what vainglory is. It provokes one another and it envies one another. Now, what does it mean in verse 25? If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. How do I know that I'm walking in the Spirit? Well, let's just jump up a couple of verses and he tells us what that, the fruit of the Spirit are. And that's, that's a depiction that depicts whether I'm walking in the Spirit. Because the opposite of that is that there were a couple of verses before that, verses 19, 20, and 21. That's the opposite of walking in the Holy Spirit. And the walking in the Holy Spirit is, is, to do, is to be loved, is to be lovely, to be joyful, peaceful, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Does that mean I'm always on top of the mountain? Well, no, I'm not. Does that mean you're always on top of the mountain? Well, maybe not. But that doesn't rob us of our joy. That doesn't rob us of our freedom in Christ. That doesn't rob me of my meekness or my temperance. Brother Henry Raber used to say that he loves those mountaintop experiences, but he also loves the valleys because that's where he says, that's where I grow. 
That's where I learned. He knows it's dangerous to stay on the mountaintop because that's where we start to become what verse 1 talks about. Where we feel overconfident, where we feel like I can handle this, I can go a little closer to the edge of the road and I'm okay, I'll be okay. Adam Clark says, Paul teaches us to be tender and affectionate towards those who have fallen through surprise into sin. And Matthew Henry says, it's very easy for a person to consider himself wiser and better than others. And so now we come to the end of verse 1 there of chapter 6, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now that temptation can go on either side of the ditch, either side of the road. It can be a temptation to become proud, like I have all the answers, I know what the course of correction is, I know what you need to do, here is, it, here is the line, here is what you need to do within a certain amount of time. In other words, I can err on that side. Or I can err on the other side and saying, well, he really didn't mean what he said, or he really didn't mean where he's to do what he did, and, and try and bluff away the sin. And you and I can't do that. You and I don't have that ability to remove the sin from a person's life. Only God can do that. And that's why he's saying then that ye which are spiritual restore such an one. In other words, we're going to bring him back to Christ and say, here's the line. Here is your freedom. Here is your deliverance. Here is your victory. It's nothing that I can give. I just want to see you, help you come back to that. goes on to say, thereby feeling free to tell them what what." To do, thus causing himself to be deceived, not seeing himself for who he really is. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 tells us what? Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Like I said earlier, it's only by the grace of God that that's not me. Because I would be capable of doing that. Proverbs 17, 9 says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter spreadeth very friends. And so that's the response that we need to have, is we need to come alongside this erring person and show them that we really love them, we really do care about them. We're not there, we're not walking alongside them because we're some Mennonite news reporter wanting all the information to pass out and to give out and to make this a real juicy story. But we're here to see you restored and renewed in your relationship with the Lord Jesus. And you know when someone does that, you know what goes through your mind? This person cares. This person really cares. This person wants to see me walk with the Lord. This person wants to help me back to my, where I need to be. Go back to, there's another verse then in, 10, in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Not 1 Corinthians, is the one I just quoted, but go to 2 Corinthians 10, 12. And I think the last part of verse 1 and verse 2 is bringing out this thought. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And so let me, I'm going to let, you, let your minds wander a little bit. Think of someone who has fallen, someone who has erred. Now, have you compared yourself to that person's error or where they're at? I have already. And I have placed myself. I have already done the evaluation. 
I have already placed myself where I am at with him. And that's why I looked, wanted to go back into Romans 14 and 15 to help us to see what is the weak brother, what is a strong brother. And I think the strong brother isn't who we often make it out to be in our lives. The strong brother isn't the man that is who we think he is. But he's the man who's walking close to the sight of God, who wants the will of God. And the will of God is that we love each other. The circle keeps going around. We just can't get out of that circle, that, that circle of love. Because I told the Sunday school class yet last Sunday that God created love. And so then everything about God is love. Now, does that put away hell, damnation, all of No, because that's of my sin nature. That's not God. That's not God's nature. That's the punishment that he created for those that go against his will. But God is love. He created love. He can be nothing but love. And that's why our text goes on that I looked and wanted to go on down into, into the end of, the, of, of verse 10 then. It's because I think that all fits into that. Let me ask you a question. If you were treated like others who have fallen, would you have gotten back up? Just think of some of someone in the past that, that has fallen, who has given up or has fell into sin, and how we responded to that person. Would that be the way you would want it to have been responded to? Now, please, don't, don't hear that I'm condoning sin. Don't hear that I'm saying, it's okay, it's okay, you'll, you'll get out of that. I'm not saying that. But if you were responded to the way he was responded to or she was responded to, what would your reaction be? You know, Job kept saying, you, you, you friends of mine, you're not getting it. You don't understand it. You're not seeing the picture. But they just kept hammering like they didn't care, like they had one goal in mind, and that was to tell this man that he is a sinner. And the longer it went, the worse it got. But the beauty of that whole story then is toward the end of that book, I think it's in chapter 42, verse 10, what turned the captivity of Job? It says when he prayed for his friends, that captivity was turned. Now, I don't know why it calls him his friends, because I don't really think he felt that way about them. He called them miserable comforters and maybe some other things, but, but he still seen them as, as, as friends because he loved them. Let's continue to remember the thought that it may be you or I that falls the next, be the next one to fall. We're not above falling. Yes, by the power of God, we can live victorious. And I don't need to plan that tomorrow I'm going to sin. I don't need that. I mean, we don't have to plan for that. We don't have to lay that out. But remember, it could be. It very well could be that it, me that would be have my eyes blinded and I won't see that. Instead of causing more weight to be added on to that person by saying, well, this is what, and this is what you should, and this is what, and this is what. No, let's just be there. Let's just help him overcome. Let's just help him on that path back to where freedom really is. In our text, he goes on in verse 2, and he says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, in our lesson, like we were saying, we were looking at what the law of Christ is, and we kept coming to the conclusion that, that John was saying that the law of Christ is that we love one another. Jesus said that time and again. This is my commandment, that ye love one another. This is my commandment, that ye love one another. Now, he's saying here, 
Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, if we would go back into Romans chapter 15, what was the first part that he said there? Ye which are strong, he says, be there for that person. Be there for that person. In other words, be there for him. Be for, you, we can sense when someone is struggling. We can Often we can, not always, maybe. We're pretty good imitators or however you want to say that. But we can sense that. But as we look at verse 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So when a family is struggling, when you have families, you have siblings, and one is struggling, typically we care for each other. Families will help each other. We'll work together maybe quicker than we will in church setting. But he's saying here, if that's the case then, that's how we should look at our church brethren and sisters. We're a family. We are brothers and sisters. We have been adopted together into the same family, the family of Jesus Christ. And so I need to care. I have to care. I want to care. It's my responsibility. It's, it's imperative that I don't care. I need to care to fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love each other. Verse 3, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. I had to think of the parable of the, of the Pharisee and the publican. Sad. It's so sad it almost we chuckle at it at times how conceited that man really was. But I really believe he was sincere. I really think he thought this is how the picture stands. That I am so good, I can do no wrong. And this man here, I'm not even sure we can call a human being. Remember, verse 3, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. We really have nothing. I have nothing to offer to someone. It's only what Christ has done for me that I have anything. So it's not about me. The further I remove myself from the picture, the more clear and the easier it is to help someone. And to remember that, that John kept telling us that in, in, in 1 John. You know, they say in real estate, in the sale of real estate, and the value of real estate, there's three things that make the price. There's three things that affect the price of that piece of real estate, and it's location, location, and location. In other words, it's all about where that piece is at. There's three things that I'd, that I'd like to translate this. There's three things that help me to walk closer to the, light, to the Lord, and that is to love each other and to love each other and to love each other. We can't get away from that. This morning in Sunday school, we were talking about how that, that some churches believe that you know, your spirit is saved, and whatever the flesh does, is, is the flesh then is, is, is sinful anyhow, and so it can commit all the sin that it's going to commit. It's not going to affect who you are in Christ. But what does sin do? Sin brings guilt. Sin brings condemnation. So is that maybe why those people are then locked down, we could say, in their spiritual freedom? And so that's why I'm looking at here in loving each other. Is that what locks down our churches to where we go back into chapter 5 and we bite and we devour one another until we've consumed each other? Instead of building a relationship here, and I'm talking here, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ, not necessarily Maple Lawn, that I'm singling out this church. But build a relationship here that that we want to be here, that we long to be in that church, and that we long to be there with the Lord Jesus Christ. The more I see myself for who I really am and what I'm capable of, the less I will despise others. And I think the more I think about that, the more sense that makes. And then I was what I was saying in the beginning, and looking back at what I was sharing Wednesday night about the gifts that God has given him and how critical I have been of others because of of 
their response because of their gift, their gift that God gave them. Instead of appreciating the gift that God gave them and blending the thoughts together, to I see, the more I see myself for who I really am and what I'm capable of, the less I will despise. But I will go back into Romans chapter 12, verse 15, where he says, Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. I will be, that's my heart, is to be there where the brother is, to be there where the sister is, to be what God wants me to be. Verse 4 of our text. But let every man prove his own works, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And I think he's referring to that we all have a responsibility to look at ourselves as an individual, as a person before God, to allow God to search me for who I am and what I am, and to be there. He says, but let every man prove his own works. In other words, to show then what I really want to do and what I really am in, in Christ. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. In other words, it's not saying that I don't need you then, but he's saying that my happiness only comes by where I am at with the Lord in, in the beginning of that. In other words, in my relationship with God. It's not that I am now drawing off of others and I'm comparing myself with others. It's a check, we might say. It's like our, our preparatory service before communion. We, were, we, we allow the it's a special time when we are maybe more focused on where we're at with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, what I think, what he's saying in verse 5. And then he says in verse 6, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And to me, I think he's just saying that we as a lay brethren, we as lay sisters, have a responsibility to our ordained men. I think he's saying that. And is he saying that we need to have paid some pastors, uh, salaried pastors? I don't think that's what he's saying. But I know there's a lot of time spent in the ministry that a lot of people don't recognize, don't see. They don't turn in. Brother Thomas and Brother Paul don't turn in a time card that gets put in our mailboxes every week so that we know how many hours they spent in the work of the church. But it's probably more than we think. Probably more than we think. Verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That word mocked, I found that interesting. The word mocked means to make a noise with the nose turned up. I'm not sure what for noise that would be, but it wouldn't be a very nice sight, for one, and it must not be a, a very beautiful noise. But in other words, it's saying, God's not going to be taken advantage of. He's not going to be made fun of. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now in that sentence, you have the lifespan of an individual. We're still in the, reap, we're still in the sowing. We, still, we, we can still sow. We're still on this side of eternity, so we're still sowing. And I can change, I can plow that field down, I can spray it with Roundup, and I can start over, and I can start with a clean field. I can change my crop, because I'm still on this side of eternity. But what I do sow, there will be a reaping. There is a day coming when there will be a harvest. 
And that's what he's saying there. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I think it's in Proverbs or maybe it's Psalms where it talks about, as a tree falls, so shall it lie. In other words, when we cut down a tree, unless you have heavy equipment or a lot of work, there, you do a lot of work to that tree, that's where it's going to stay. You walk into a woods and you see a tree that's down, a year from now it'll be in that very same position unless somebody moves it. It won't move of itself. And that's what he's saying here. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And then in verse 8, For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Jesus gave us that parable of the tares. You know, they were someone went and sowed tares in the wheat, and, and the, the workers found it, and they said, Well, shall we tear it out? You know, shall we get rid of it? No, he said, Just leave it till the harvest. And then at the harvest, or he meant at the end of time, I'll separate that, lest, he said, you also root out the wheat with it. In other words, he's saying that there is a time coming when there will be a, 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 a destruction of those tares. It will happen. Verse 10, or verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And I think that if we faint not is a challenge to me. It's not like maybe or maybe not, but it helps me to understand that this is a journey, and we're on a, we're on a journey. We're, on, we're in a battle. It's a lifetime battle, a lifetime from salvation to eternity. We're in a battle. And the battle will only be won if I don't faint. But if I faint, or if I become what verse 1 says, that's who I would imagine as a man that fainted, a man that fell into sin and wasn't restored. Wasn't restored, wasn't brought back to a new condition. Then he says in verse 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And that's why I believe verse 10 ties in with, with the first part of this verse. Let me read that again. As we have therefore opportunity. As we have therefore opportunity. And we have a lot of opportunities today with all the technology we have. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And so he's saying we're especially to do, to to bless each other, to protect each other, to guide each other, to encourage each other, to strengthen each other especially those of the household of faith, those that are of the church of Jesus Christ, so that we can reap a harvest that is a hundredfold. Let's kneel for prayer. So, Father, as we come before you again, I just thank you for giving me this another opportunity to again see how you want me to live my life and for helping me to see who I really am and what I really am capable of and to see that I can sin, I have sinned, I will sin. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have provided a way for me to cleanse that, to wash it away and to be made as if I had not, to be regenerated, to be, to be again reestablished in who I am justified just as if I had never sinned and Lord I can't comprehend that in its fullest but as I release and as I let set free others Lord and realize that I have released them and I have given them the opportunity to be just as if they had never done that to me just as if that had never been said just as if 
I had never, they had never done that. That is how you release me when I confess my sin and come before you. You release me from ever having that tag onto my life. Yes, there might be consequences. Yes, there is a harvest coming. But I thank you, Lord, that we can send our judgment on before and have it cleansed and have it made anew and fresh with your blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. Be with us today. May we then be encouraged, Lord, to be very careful and to be very quick to establish and to restore those who fall, to help them, to care for them, to just to walk along beside them, to be there for them, helping them to see that this is an example of how you do for us, how you care for me. We thank you for this and we pray this in Christ's name.